This is Amateur Logic, episode 94 for August 13th, 2016. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com. And by ICOM. Summertime fun, get out there and get on the air. to another exciting episode of Amateur Logic. I'm George. I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. I'm Emil. I'm Emil again. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got a special guest with us tonight, our good friend from the Great White North. Hi, Mike. Hi, everyone. Good to have you with us tonight. We've got something Fi- special planned, don't we? <laughs> finally, yeah. yeah. Boy, you guys at home, you just, well, the ones watching live right now, yeah, you know what kind of problems we've had in the oh, past uh, hour and a half trying to get rolling here, but hopefully we got it. But we're time. rolling. Let's mm-hmm. just say, uh, well, Skype might be going to work better than the Google Plus Hangouts. We hope. Got your fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Well, Mike, you brought something uh well, you didn't bring it, did you? You shipped it down you shipped here. shipped it. We had this mysterious plain brown wrapper package show up. It uh, came from a foreign entity. It says Canada. Uh-huh. Is it ticking, George? I keep hearing no. something. It rattles, mm-hmm. though. <laughs> What's that green glow? Yeah. No. Yeah. It's, uh, this thing has got a date on it that we just kind of missed. Well, we sit, Mike sent this down here to us on 6 7 of 2016. And wow, that's two weeks before field day. Yeah, I was saving it, you know, because I wanted to open it on the show and uh, have Mike join us. And, you know, we've had two field day episodes and just a lot of stuff going on since then, so we. You yep. hadn't quite got around to it. Mike, is this going to be safe to open? Uh, you know what? Your guess is good to design at that point. <laughs> well. <laughs> you take your chances, George. Yeah, I hear you. We don't we don't know exactly what's in here. But there we're going to find out. There's some stains on the package. We're going to open this a little later in the show and just find out. As, as long as it's been what's in it now may not be what originally went into it. Yeah. Should we soak it with the water hose or just take it out in the yard and shoot it? I mean, that's my, my biggest concern right now. Your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea <laughs> at this point what what you're going to find in there. Okay. Well, well you'll, you'll be a witness to see, so yeah. we'll all be, of uh, you will. We'll be getting on with that here shortly then, but... 
let's get on into the show. We've got a lot of fun stuff going on tonight. Uh, Peter, you've got something special tonight uh, that you actually had ready last month. Oh, I, that's true. That's true. Uh, something that'll be quite practically useful for people that are trying to write uh, uh, code for the Arduino. I'll, 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 uh, unless we're running into the segment now, I'll leave, leave it at that and keep people on tender hooks as to what it is. Okay. And, uh, Emil, you've got a little snippet of something that, that you brought tonight. Absolutely. Uh, the W5SLA, the club that I'm a part of here in southeast Louisiana, had their ham fest, so I brought back some uh, footage from that uh, ham fest. Oh, cool. All right. Looking forward to seeing that. And Mike even brought a video uh, this month. It's, uh, it's a little project he's been working on. Oh, cool. Got it right here behind me. Oh, okay. well, looks like a big project. Yeah. Well, let's get on into a few emails then, and we'll get into these videos. This comes from my friend Jocelyn, KD8VRX. You may remember Jocelyn. We've seen him on a few times before, but you'll probably remember his son, Chris, a lot better. He said, Hi, guys. Chris and I will be making the trek to Huntsville for the third year in a row. As you may already know, Chris received the ARRL, Hiram Percy Maximum Award, and he's very excited. What do you think about that, Tommy? I think that's awesome. You know who we're talking mm, about? Awesome. Oh, yeah, I know Cincinnati Chris. Short Rib. <laughs> that sounds like a Don Wilbank's name. Yeah, Peter, you hung out with, uh, with uh, Chris and Jocelyn and family. Yeah, impressive young chap, actually, um, and uh, great to see him... Uh, uh, you know uh, that he's advancing his knowledge in the in amateur radio and uh, obviously making an impression. Who's in charge of the sticks and the bag for the snipe hunt this year? And I have to write him and tell him, you're not going to be making it. To I can't make it. Hunt, I got to work. So we have no one really to hold the bag, and Peter's not going to be there to beat the stick on the ground. So we just, <laughs> we just couldn't come up with enough qualified people this so year. Maybe we'll have to do it next year. Maybe so. Mm. Or we might be able to get Don. Well, yeah, maybe so. But uh, the Huntsville Ham Fest falls right in the middle of snipe season, so it's it prime perfect, time. <laughs> perfect Great time. timing. Yeah. Well, uh, Jocelyn, we're looking forward to seeing you and uh, Chris and the rest of the family there at Huntsville this year. Uh, and, and, you know, we we had Chris on here a while back. He's just... Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a he's great a kid, man. Great he should, ambassador. I, th I, th I think he's probably a good inspiration to a lot of young people to get into ham radio. I think so. And I'll be uh, hanging out with him next weekend. Yeah. And I'm taking my posse, Wayne and Vince, with me. Well, tell them all I said hi. I sure okay. hate to miss them. All right. Well, we're looking forward to a big time. Well, Tommy, I think you've got an email over I there. I do. And yeah, I need to put my glasses on to see. I only need these yeah. to see. Maybe you want to put those on because I've been... Uh, getting uh, emails and seeing posts on Facebook and everything that, you know, I thought you were on drugs or something. <laughs> Stuff yeah, that's because lately. I've been, most of the time I'm on my phone for being gone and the yeah. uh, autocorrect gets me. I haven't bothered to put the reading glasses on. Yeah. But uh, maybe I need to <laughs> you, do something about you that. You jeeped somebody's hands <laughs> last week <laughs> and it sounded painful. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. That, that's uh, probably he's, why he's not competing in the Olympics, is yeah, I, I don't recommend doing that. From Rick, K1XYZ. I, I like that call. That's cool. 
Uh, I know everything's a matter of opinion, but do you think the 7300 is worth the extra 600 bucks over the 7100? You can get the nine, uh, the IC7100 for $909 uh, while it lasts. There's a sale running. Um, the 718 is more in my budget, but it seems like extra money uh, to step up is worth it. You don't need to go into depth. Quick answer is okay. Uh, local ham also suggested a KX2. I live in a small apartment, do more monitoring than transmitting. Um, anyway, he says he doesn't really do CW, doesn't have an interest in that. But I guess that's a matter of opinion uh, on what you like. I, I like the 7300 for what you get for it. It's a, it's a good value mm -hmm. for the money, but you can't really go wrong with the 7100 either. If you want yeah. the SDR features, um, then then it's worth it. Uh, if you're going to spend a lot of time on HF and you yeah, like the yeah, SDR. Yeah, the 7300. The 7300, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and the color display is nice. But that said, I own the 7100 and having D-Star on it and the and the other modes is nice VHF as well. VHF, UHF, all the bands, all the modes. Uh, the 7300 is more of a, a dedicated to HF rig. So it kind of depends on what you want. They're two different Two different class of radios, or two well, different types of radio. You know how I feel about it. Every man should have at least two radios turned on all the time. I uh, can't really <laughs> argue with that. So, <laughs> George's vote is to get both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so it's, I guess you can have to to weigh out, you know, what you want. If you want a, a radio that does, all, you know, all the bands, two meters, 70 centimeters through HF, then the 7100's the way to go. But yeah. uh and I, I didn't mean to be discriminatory right there, that, but, you know, every woman should have at least two radios turned out, too. That's true. Every every person should have mm -hmm. at least two. There you go. That, that's what I should have said. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so anyway, I guess it's it's really kind of a matter of choice of whether it's worth it or not. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, so it's kind of hard to answer that. To well, Peter, tell us a little bit. Just get us set up here so we can get on into your video. Sure. Um, basically, um, if you ever uh, do any kind of uh, programming with a, an Arduino, you realize that um, you test your software from time to time. You need to look at various variables and you need some way of getting some output. In other words, the, um, the Arduino to actually tell you what the, the value of those variables is at a given point in time. Now, you can use the serial monitor for that, but uh, if you're actually uh, away from um, uh, your computer and, and testing out in the field, uh, what are you going to do? How are you going to look at what, what, what's in, in the uh, Arduino? Well, the answer is to add an LCD screen of some kind, and that you can do that quite inexpensively. So we're going to show you in uh, this uh, segment how to add an LCD screen. Morning all. This month we're going to play around a little bit with Arduino Unos, the little development board that uh, was developed a few years ago in Italy and it can help teach you uh, how to program in C and also some basic electronics. I'm not a big fan of C to be perfectly honest but uh, it is nonetheless uh, a good uh, way to actually learn that particular language. Now here's a question for you. Is this a real Arduino Uno, or is this a clone Arduino Uno? Hmm, looks real. Well, I can tell you it's actually a clone. If you look down the left-hand side here, you'll see the pins are numbered A0, A1, 
A2, A3, A4, and then there's another A1 pin. On a real Arduino Uno, that a other A1 pin would be numbered A5. So it's almost 100% compatible, but not quite. Nonetheless, it's a pretty good approximation of an Arduino Uno and should do most tasks uh, without any problems whatsoever. Now, I do encourage people to buy at least one genuine uh, Arduino Uno to support the people that actually develop the board. Uh, but if you uh, want a few boards to play around with and uh, to throw in your uh, electronics toolkit, then get yourself a few of these clone Arduino Unos. They're very, very cheap. You can buy them on eBay. And, uh, you know, even if you wreck one or two, you've hardly lost any money uh, at all. There is one little problem, though. If you actually hook this up to your computer, chances are it's not going to recognize the serial port. In other words, when you go into the uh, Arduino IDE, uh, it won't actually see the Arduino hooked up to your computer. And the reason for that is a lot of these uh, Chinese clones uh, use a particular chip that requires a driver. And that driver is called the, uh, or rather the chipset is called the CH340 chipset. So you need a CH340 driver. I'll put a link down below so you can uh, actually find that and install it. And then uh, you'll be able to use this uh, clone Arduino Uno just like a normal Arduino Uno. Now here's a problem for you. Let's say I've got an Arduino Uno and I've written a program and I want to know uh, the value of a particular variable, say A, at a given point in time in the program. How can I get the Arduino to tell me what that value is? Well, if I'm hooked up to my computer, I can use the serial monitor in the Arduino IDE and find it out that way. But I might not necessarily be hooked up to my computer. So what can I do? Well, the answer is you can use one of these. This is a 16 by 2 liquid crystal display. As you can see, it's got 16 pins down the bottom, numbered 1 through 16. And uh, I actually recently bought a, a whole stack of these quite cheaply from a local uh, electronic surplus store. What I've done is I've sold it on a header here, uh, or uh, rather the header pins, and uh, again, they're numbered 1 through 16. Now, it's very important that if you're going to use one of these LCD uh, screens, what you need to do is make sure that it's compatible with the Hitachi HD44780 driver. Okay, we've got our LCD and we've got our clone Uno. Let's, uh, let's hook this up and see if we can get it working. Let's now go through the wiring of the circuit. Now, you're going to need a couple of extra components here to make this all work. The first one is a 10 kilo ohm variable resistor or potentiometer. Now, you've got three pins and the middle pin is called the wiper. And uh, there's two outside pins as well. We use that to control the uh, brightness on the LCD screen. The other thing you're going to need is a 220 ohm uh, resistor. So let's get started. Pin 1 on the LCD, otherwise known as VSS, is connected to the ground pin on the Arduino. Pin 2, otherwise known as VDD, is connected to the 5 volt pin on the Arduino. Pin 3 on the LCD, otherwise known as V0, is connected to the wiper on the 10 kilo ohm variable resistor. 
Uh, pin 4 on the LCD, otherwise known as RS, is connected to uh, digital pin 12 on the Arduino. Pin 5 on the LCD, otherwise known as R slash W, is connected to the ground pin on the Arduino. Pin 6 of the LCD, otherwise known as E, is connected to D11, digital pin 11 on the Arduino. Pin 7, 8, 9 and 10 on the LCD are left blank. LCD pin 11, otherwise known as DB4, is connected to Arduino D5. Uh, LCD 12, otherwise known as DB5, is connected to Arduino D4. Uh, when I say D4, I mean digital pin 4. LCD pin 13, otherwise known as DB6, is connected to Arduino digital pin 3. Uh, LCD pin 14, otherwise known as DB7, is connected to Arduino D2. Uh, LCD 15, uh, otherwise known as LED Plus, you connect uh, that pin to one side of the 220 ohm resistor. The other side of the 220 ohm resistor, you connect to the Arduino 5 volts. So you've got LCD uh, pin 15 going to the 220 ohm resistor on one side, and then on the other side of the 220 ohm resistor, that's going to 5 volts on the Arduino. And the final thing is pin 16, which is LED uh, minus, uh, sometimes marked as LED minus. Well, that gets connected to Arduino ground. Now, I said there were three pins on the variable resistor. Uh, the middle one, as I said, was connected uh, to LCD pin 3. But the two outside ones, well, you can do this either way. Connect one of them to Arduino ground and the other to Arduino 5 volts. Next, connect your Arduino Uno uh, to a serial cable and then connect that cable in turn to your computer. In the Arduino IDE, go into Examples and select the Liquid Crystal Library. Select the Hello World example and then press the right hand arrow key to transfer the example program to your Arduino. If you get an error message, check under Tools Port and make sure that you've selected the correct port. As I said, if you're using a, uh, a fake uh, or rather a clone Arduino, make sure you've got that CH340 driver installed. I've now wired up the LCD to the Arduino Uno and also to a 10K pot and a 220 ohm resistor. Now the connections are a little bit loose, but hopefully they'll work. I've put the Hello World program or example on the Arduino Uno. I've uploaded it onto the Arduino Uno. So if I apply some power, it should start working. And there you go. It's printed out Hello World and it's counting up from one, at one uh, per second. Now if I alter the variable resistor, you can see I can make the text, text fade against the background. So that's working fine. I've got my the backlit on the LCD is working okay and I've got the text working okay. Now the point is the code for this uh, particular example is not that very long and you can alter it such that you can actually print out your own text on the LCD or if you want to find the value of a um, particular variable at some point in your program you can use the instructions in, um, in the code uh, to actually print out the value of that uh, variable. 
We'll look at how you can do that now. This is the code behind the Hello World example. I'll show you how you can actually use this in your own programs. So let's say you want to print out at some point in time uh, in your program the value of a variable, let's say A. Well, what you want to do first of all is set up your liquid crystal uh, display uh, in your code. So what you want to do is the first two lines include liquidcrystal.h and liquidcrystal lcd 12, 11, 5, 4, etc. Copy them into the beginning of your code. Under void setup, you only need to grab one of these lines, namely lcd.begin and then in brackets 16, 2. Copy that into your void setup. And then in void loop, you basically, every time you want to print something, you need to use two commands. The first is to set the cursor, and you can see it there, lcd.setCursor, in this case 0, 0,1, which will set it on the bottom line on the left-hand side. If you want to set it on the top line on the left-hand side, you use 0, 0. And then you want to use a print command, which uh, you can actually see an example of under void setup, but you would actually use it in your void loop, and you go lcd.print, and then in brackets afterwards, you put whatever it is that you want to print. If it's text, you put it in quotation marks. And if it's a variable, such as A, then you just put A in the brackets. And don't forget to put your little semicolons after each of your commands. Otherwise, the program just won't run. I should correct myself. I said an LCD display before. It's actually an LCD screen. Or is it the other way around? I said, no, I said LCD screen before, and it's actually an LCD display. Always get those two mixed up. But the point is, you can get the value of your variables and put them on the little display, and then at various points in the program, you can see what the, those values are. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's a nice little tutorial. That's a lot that's similar to the one I did a, a while back. But I'm, I like to see, I'm glad to see that one because mine was a serial display. And that mm -hmm. that one's not, and that mine had has flicker because the serial data is just slower. Um, Does flicker? Yeah, there's a little bit of flicker in it. If you keep oh. updating something, like he had the the counter on the mm -hmm. second line, um, mm -hmm. it, it, fl it flickers a little bit when it does that. Yeah, yeah. And those those uh, little screens are very very cheap and yeah. uh, uh, very easy to wire up. And then once you've actually got your program running, you can just disconnect them and uh, just uh, co comment out the code that deals with um, the LCD instructions and uh, you just leave it in there, uh, mm -hmm. in your program. Um, because it's commented out, the, the instructions won't, um, won't run. So, Right. Yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, nice, use, useful little tip. Yeah, you know, I've got one up here that I have never even hooked up yet. I need to. Your Arduino? Uh, or display? No, a display to oh. hook up to my Arduino. Okay. I bought it at Huntsville, was it last year? Maybe the year before. I've had it a good while and I hadn't used it yet. I need oh. to. You must have needed it pretty bad. Well, we've got a, a few emails to get to here. I think, Peter, the next one here is going to be yours. What? have you got there? Yeah, I've got an e email here from Don. He found a really, really good resource uh, and the link that he provides um, actually provides more than 500, it's like a database of amateur radio related links. They're all categorised and uh, those categories include just about everything, even as uh, the philo philosophy 
of uh, amateur radio. So uh, that's quite a, yeah, there it is, ksarrl.org forward slash deep link. So, uh, yeah, check that out. And uh, thanks so much for sending that in, Don. That is a nice one. I think we've probably got another email. <laughs> email from email. You? Yeah, let's see if we can find there. There it is. Yeah, George and Tommy, um, I got an email from um, our Google Plus friend, um, Ralph Mills. And he was talking about it's definitely a cheap old man compliant item, too. So that's a good thing. There's at least 10 different items on this that he wrote about. Um, and I won't go over all of them, but there's a few of them that I'm partial to. Uh, if you see there on the right-hand side, there's a, there's a Rio Shack helping hands. And I, I'm a little bit partial to that because I, I have one myself. The lid he used off of a bag bomb uh, thing up at the top right there, you'll see lid that he's got with a magnet, magnetized uh, device. Uh, I'm, I mean, to me, anything, anybody who can recycle something like that from those tins, especially from an ointment or, I forget exactly what they call it, that helps uh, solve irritation from a uh, cow's udder bag bomb, that's got to be worth extra points right there. You know, <laughs> you just don't see that every day. I, I think his theme here is that he's got his his whole workbench right there on that little metal tray. Little cookie he, tray type thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Anything and, else uh, that stood out to you, Mill? I know uh, for me, you know, these little helping hands from Radio Shack, I also own one, so I know exactly what he's talking about. It's great for a little space or a table space that you don't have a lot of room to work with. So Yeah, I've got one of the smaller ones that's got a little suction cup on it. Mm-hmm. You suction cup it down to the table. Yeah, that looks like so, one so, of the big ones. Uh-huh. So, so kudos to Ralph for having the cheap old man compliant item of the show. One of the things I like there is, you see, he handmade that that vice to hold the mm-hmm. the PC board there. That's got a couple of pencils in it and some screws, and it's an old piece of wood. And then behind it, you see that solder sucker. Isn't that cute? That's like a baby uh-huh. solder sucker there. Yeah, that but is cute. Speaking of cheap old man uh, compliant, that's extra points for the homemade vice made out of the pieces of wood. We're going to be back in just a moment, and we've got a lot more to go, so don't go away. The MFJ1928EX is a heavy-duty portable antenna stand that extends to 6 feet and collapses to only 38 inches for easy transportation. This black stainless steel stand will hold up to 66 pounds of antenna steady and comes with a fiberglass telescoping pole and military-grade quick clamps for quick setup. The MFJ2286 Big Stick is a portable monopole featuring MFJ's rugged stainless steel collapsible whip paired with an adjustable high-Q air-wound coil. Efficiency matters, so it's not surprising this winning combination stands head and shoulders above shorter backpack antennas, The antenna is constructed of all aluminum and stainless steel components for years of great performance and it's rated at 1 kilowatt. While it extends to a full 17 feet, the 2-pound monopole collapses to just 28 inches in seconds. Adjusting the length of the antenna and the high-Q coil makes tuning a breeze anywhere from 7 to 55 megahertz. For the lower bands, a counterpoise wire assembly is included. Big Stick is for the ham radio operator on the move and on the go, and hungry for the next great QSO anywhere, anytime. The MFJ2289 Big Ears use the same high Q coil 
and two of the rugged collapsible monopoles. Efficiency is the key to launching a big signal in remote areas, and Big Ear does it so well you might forget you left home. The secret is MFJ's incredibly strong and weather-resistant stainless steel telescopic whips stretching to a whopping 34-foot span, twice the length of other portable antennas. The antenna includes a robust 45-degree center mounting block with a built-in ballon, and it's good for up to 1 kilowatt. There's no counterforce required for full 7 to 55 megahertz operation. If you need a quick setup, rugged, high-performance portable HF antenna, you can't beat the MFJ Big Stick or Big Ear. Available at MFJEnterprises.com or wherever amateur radio products are sold. One of your favorite field day antennas. Yeah, I was going to say, I made a lot of contacts on the Big Ear just like that. Yep. Yep. Well, it's um, it's always fun to visit HamFest, and as we mentioned earlier, I'm going to be in Huntsville next weekend for the Huntsville HamFest over there. August the 20th, yes, the 21st. Be, uh, so you'll probably have seen this by then. Yep, probably will, and uh, hope to see some of you over there wearing the colors, the Amateur Logic colors. Yeah, what, wear the colors. What colors are you wearing tonight? I got the uh, Last Man Standing colors on today, the official Last Man Standing Amateur yeah. Radio Club t-shirt. They're actually starting back up on September the 23rd. Okay, um, cool. Actually, I... I did, that's not why I wore the shirt. I liked the shirt, and I wore it, mm-hmm. wore it today, but it made me think about looking it up, so I just found out it starts on 23rd. That's looking a really that. comfortable shirt, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, it's awesome. I really like mine. Well, Emil, you've got some ham-fest action for us this time around. You want to set it up? George, the um, uh, W5SLA ham-fest, which is the club I'm in, is um, they had their ham-fest the month you know, just after field day, which was great. One after the next of uh, fun. And I, uh, once again, found an impromptu cameraman that was, uh, in, you know, showed up with the, um, the crew there. And we also have, uh, somehow KC5 KWZ wound up in every shot this time on the other side of the camera. So, uh, take a look. like a lot of fun Emil. yeah we had a pretty good turnout food it was hot 
I remember that. But uh, lots of good, uh, you know, show, the vendors showed up and uh, people, a lot of people showed up, prizes, you name it. You guys know what a ham fest is about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Go ahead. I, say? I was going to say, it. I, I wish I'd have known. Of course, last weekend wasn't good. I had a lot of stuff going on. But I'd like to get down there to that one sometime. I used to go to the Ham and Ham Fest a good bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, the Hammond's a good one to come to. And um, I, I feel for those guys right now. They're having some, uh, they're, they're in that weather and all the rain right now. So uh, we, we keep an ear out. For their club to see if there's anybody needing help over there, but they're dealing with dealing with some uh, flooding. You've never been to the Dayton Convention, have you, Peter? No, no, no. It's it's on my to do list. Maybe a couple of years down the track, we'll get there. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, I, I'm just always intrigued because you, you've told me that uh, I've been to Dun- uh, Huntsville. I've seen how big that is, and you, you tell me that uh, Dayton is multiple times as big again and i just can't conceive of how how big something uh, a ham fest that big Uh, so uh it it intrigues me then you've got to go email have you ever no i've never been in dayton nor huntsville um so i need to start planning the travel oh man come on next weekend next weekend okay um i gotta look at the calendar but okay yeah we'll be having a big time in huntsville y'all y'all check it out yeah it's a uh, uh, several magnitudes bigger than our ham fest here, and and the one mm-hmm. uh, that y'all have down there. It's uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard it's a big one and a good one. Yeah, Emil, Emil, sorry, Emil, have you been to the Space Museum at Huntsville? No, I have not been to the Space Museum. Then you there must either. go. You All right, that's go. two reasons. Two reasons to go. Carry your your uh, communicator with you. You might need it. <laughs> I'll have to go. Yeah. Okay, got it. <laughs> and Mike, uh, you know we've we've met you up at uh, the past couple of hamventions and, and hung past, out. Past uh, two, I believe, hamventions, yeah. and uh, it's the first time I'd been be- been back in probably uh, twenty five years. I I had gone uh, several years in a row when I was a teen uh, with mm-hmm. some other licensed hams and. Uh, uh, Peter was asking about the arena, the Hera, and uh, well, let's just say it hasn't changed much in that time. But, uh, <laughs> uh, it was always a good time, and you know what? We never really needed much uh, in terms of uh, facilities. Uh, the new place should be interesting. Um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, for uh, for the folks of the Dare Group um, because the buildings aren't laid out the same. Everything was all kind of under one roof as far as the indoor uh, vendors were concerned. And then you just had like flea market area outside, whereas uh, the way I understand it, the new facility has several buildings, but they're not attached. So um, that'll be interesting to see uh, how that all comes to, comes together. Yeah, and and we didn't mention, but they're closing the Hera Arena yeah. where the Dayton Hamvention has been for what maybe twenty five or more years. Uh, I guess I think, it, I think it's more like fifty or sixty. Oh wow! Yeah, ever yeah. since there was a Hamvention. You brought a video, too. I did my best. And go easy on me, guys, because it was my first attempt. And uh, I'll tell you, I have uh, the utmost respect for anybody that does any type of uh, video work and uh, editing and all that other stuff that goes along with it. I think it was uh, not this past Dayton, but the Dayton before, 2015, uh, we talked about the DV3000 board from, mm-hmm. from Northwest Digital Radio. And, uh, George, you and I did a segment on that. Right. 
and a, and a project. And uh, I think I made a comment at, also at last year's Hamvention that we needed to do another D-Star segment because I, we got a lot of uh, comments and, and it seemed to be a popular topic. So uh, tonight's uh, topic is going to be another project uh, from the same group, the Northwest Digital Radio uh, guys. And uh, they uh, developed a board uh, that will uh, actually, um, and I should, I should back up a little bit because this board, although uh, I'm using it to run D-Star on my uh, Fusion uh, repeater, uh, it can also be used uh, with other radios. Uh, you can use it in a simplex as a simplex repeater. You can use it for uh, Direwolf. Uh, you can use it as an AP- APRS iGate, um, IRLP, Echolink. Uh, wow. So basically what it is, it's a sound card-based modem. Um, but in this video, you'll you'll see how I've uh, connected it up and running D-Star on a, on, a, on a DR1X Fusion repeater. Let's look at a UDRC in action, connected up to a Yaesu System Fusion DR1X repeater operating D-Star. We'll need our UDRC board, the Raspberry Pi Model B, version 2 or 3. A high-density, straight-through DE15 cable is needed to connect up to a DR1X. It may look like a standard VGA video cable, but it's not. VGA cables may not have the proper wiring configuration, so you need to ensure that you use a suitable cable. No external power to the Raspberry Pi is needed. It's provided by the DR1X through the DE15 cable, so be sure that you don't also provide power via the micro-USB connector on the Pi. You'll need at least an 8-gig microSD card, class 10 or better. More about this later. We'll be using a custom Raspbian Jesse image, available for download from the Northwest Digital Radio site. Okay, so now we have a Raspberry Pi 2 or 3 with the UDRC board installed. Our micro USD card with compass image is inserted into the Pi's USD card slot. As soon as we are confident that everything is connected up correctly, we can power up the DR1X. Link 2 R E S 0 1 4 Charlie. V3 MIC, this is K9 MIT. You're on mic. A K9 MIT, V3 MIC. Good evening, Chip. How you doing tonight? Very good, Mike. Doing good. 14 Charlie seems to be working just fine. Back to you. Anyway, I appreciate you helping me out here, Chip. And by the way, I'm running a little test here. I'm running uh, D-Star over my uh, Fusion repeater using a UDRC board for a Northwest Digital Radio. And um, how's the audio quality, by the way? I've, I've been doing a little bit of uh, adjustments on the audio levels. Yeah, good deal, Mike. No, I'll tell you what, it, it doesn't, uh, it's not too bassy, and uh, it uh, doesn't seem, uh, you know, abnormally high or anything like that. Uh, as far as, uh, you know, it occurs to me, it, it, it sounds to me, it's a, it's a very, uh, very pleasant audio level, tone-wise, level-wise. Uh, uh, no complaints on this end at all. Okay, very good. Happy to hear that. I I could have got a little bit more technical, got the scope out, and adjusted the uh, the audio levels accordingly. But uh, anyway, I won't keep you too long here, uh, Chip. I know it's getting late here, but listen, I really appreciate you uh, helping me out here and helping me with this demo. And uh, hope to see you tomorrow night. Seventy three K nine MIT from VE three MIC. It's uh, it's a very cool little board. It uses a um, Texas Instrument uh, DSP audio chip, 
and uh, they did a really nice job on it. And I should point out, too, uh, I don't know if you can see it, in addition to the uh, high-density 15-pin uh, 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 connector, uh, it also has the standard uh, mini uh, DIN 6-pin, mm -hmm. uh, as uh, most radios have for, uh, for digital connections. Um, and I like the fact that they added onboard uh, voltage regulation so that uh, you uh, everything's powered right from the DR1X. You just plug in that 15-pin uh, connector, and uh, you don't have to supply power to the Pi at all. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat stuff. Uh, those those uh, Northwest Digital guys, man, they don't sit still. They seem like they're always cranking something out these days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they had a they had a, um, a live demo. They actually had a DR1X repeater, and uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean, it's a testament to how well the, uh, the they did designing the DR1X fusion repeater. Um, but uh, they had one at their booth. And uh, they were uh, running. They were running it, I think, into a dummy load, uh, so that people could actually see how how it worked. And Tom, Tommy and Mike, we gotta hook up on D Star some kind of way. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Uh, the interesting thing is too, when you plug into that 15 uh, pin port on the DR1X, you're effectively uh, disabling uh, the internal uh, controller, repeater controller. So the, basically, the Raspberry Pi at that point is the repeater controller. And I should mention at this point, um, Jonathan Naylor, uh, G4KLX, mm -hmm. uh, he, he wrote all of that software, IRCDDB Gateway, mm -hmm. and the D-Star Repeater, and the Dummy Repeater program that we use for the uh, DB3000 uh, segment. Yep. Um, I don't know if he gets the proper recognition, but uh, uh, I... I salute you. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I think I don't know any D Star guy that doesn't know who Jonathan is, though. I, I met him out of Dayton too. He's a super nice guy. He's done some great stuff for the AM community. He's probably done more of the software uh, work, you know, from a third party standpoint of anybody. Oh, yeah, I, w I would think that's probably correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah great guy. Does some great work. Well, we got a couple more emails here, and then we're gonna. Well, we're going to show you how a vacuum tube amplifier uh, essentially works. Cool. But you've got the next one here, Tommy. I do. I've got a good one here. Yeah. Well, they're, actually, they're all good ones, so no partiality. Yeah. yeah. This one just happens to be one that you are reading, so we know it's, it's got the It's picture. extra good. So. And you've got the glasses on. i got so. the glasses on so I can actually see it. Uh, this is actually from Pete, W2NJU. He says, uh, Hi, Tommy. I really enjoyed Amateur Logic 90 and the video of your antenna installation. I remember getting my general and how I researched uh, what would be the right antenna for my small lot with no trees and no budget for a tower. So sounds very similar to my lot. So it came down to two choices, a 40-meter OCF dipole or a Comet CHA250B vertical with its claim of 1.5 or less SWR from 75 through 6, and no need for radials, it seemed like a good, too good to be true. So I went with the second choice, the OCF dipole for 40 meters. It's cheap and easy to put up, great for the bands I work. Uh, the SWR is under 3.1, or 3 to 1 rather, on all bands, and very often from 1.3 to 1.5. I can also use the antenna on 17, 15, and 12 with my built-in tuner on my TS-2000. By, 
By the way, it also performs well on two meters, which I haven't tried that at all with mine. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it says yeah, you can use it for secret sideband on two meters. I wouldn't. Uh, I would never thought to try two meters on it. I'd yeah, me either. But I think I'm gonna hook my antenna analyzer up to it just for the heck of it and see, just out of curiosity. So, anyway, he says I was wondering what kind of height you have on that antenna. Yes, a quarter wave or higher is best, but few of us can get that kind of height. My antenna runs from an old TV antenna chimney mast to a fiberglass pole on the other end of my yard. It slopes from 33 feet to about 24 feet, with a bound at about 20. Um, also, I think I'd love one of those MFJ antenna analyzers like the one you were using. Maybe I'll ask Santa. <laughs> anyway, uh, thanks for an enjoyable episode. My best to George. Hope you have an off-the-hook field day. So, anyway, we've had that one for a little bit. But um, My antenna is, it depends on which week you ask me, where because <laughs> it goes back up in a different spot. So, this week, it's about 40 feet on the highest end. And around 30 to 35 on the lowest end. And in the middle, it's probably hanging down around about 25 or so at the bow one. Yeah. You know, if you'd hang that thing with chain, you wouldn't have this chain. squirrel problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've had, actually, I had a squirrel didn't do it last time. I, the, uh, I, to I talked about it after the yeah. thing. It, it actually broke at the wire. But yeah. but anyway, that, that's about where I've got mine. And it's probably the best install i've had since i've had the, up at that house over the nine years i've lived there cool yeah so well, good. Maybe hopefully it'll stay, it'll stay there. there for yeah. a little while so. well i've got this is not an email this is a google plus um, comment and some pictures and i'm gonna butcher his name here i know it but it's our buddy tom apelinek is that how you would say that yeah, that's how you would say it. Close enough. But uh, Mike has probably seen him posting over there in the Google Plus before. He, he, uh, well, I'll, I'll just set it up here. He says he's been doing some traveling in the last month or so, and you just never know where an Amateur Logic t-shirt is going to show up. There you right go. Right there, man. Nice. Wearing the colors right awesome. there at Lake George. Awesome. You got to represent everywhere you go. You got to, and <laughs> and not to be, uh, you know, outdone. He also had it when he went to eat at Tommy's Drive Through, and I didn't even know I had that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. It's got to be a good place. Well, the guy standing there with the Amateur Logic uh, shirt on. How could absolutely. it not be? <laughs> and while he was out on his trip, he found the home of the Dew Drop In. Oh, And cool. there it is right there. Awesome. You know, I, I would, he doesn't show us the tower there that they use, but since it's an Echo Link net, you know. Is the address 355-800? So I can't see behind him there to, to tell if that's it or not. And he did some searching around. He said he just uh, wasn't able to find Whiskey Pete's. He looked everywhere and, and couldn't find it. And as far as finding um, a landmark with a mill on it, it's been a real challenge. Uh, he, he said he hadn't been able to come up with anything on that. But he said at least now we can claim that Amateur Logic 
has been introduced to the aliens. There you go. Right there nice. at the, the alien fresh Aww. jerky. Alien jerky. I don't think I've ever eaten alien jerky before. Me neither. Alien fresh jerky. Those yeah. are those are awesome pictures. Yeah, probably tastes like chicken, huh? Yeah, probably so. Everything does. But those are those are great. Yeah, thanks, thanks for sending uh, those in. I haven't seen those. That was yet, awesome. So. Yeah, they were. They were. They were uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Actually, yeah. Any any of you guys wear your uh, amateur logic swag out and send some selfies back in? We'll put those on as well. Yeah. Yep. That, that was great. Appreciate yeah. Yeah, that. Super cool. Well, right now we're going to take a break and uh, get a message from our friends at ICOM, and we're going to come back and I'm actually going to play that video that I've been teasing about. You're kidding. How a tube works. Yeah. Believe it or not. Summertime fun. Get out there and get on the air. There's still plenty of time to enjoy the summer shine. Camping, road trips, hiking, and more. Wherever your adventure takes you this summer, make sure you bring your ICOM equipment along for the fun. On the go this summer, ICOM's new IC7300 is perfect for your next road trip. Revolutionary design and compact size, the real HF fun starts here. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, SD card memory slot, and more. Why not communicate with the touch of your fingertips? Perfect for small spaces, the IC7100 is the ideal D-Star option for all outdoor seekers. Angle control head and touchscreen for quick intuitive operation, large internal speaker for clear digital audio, and it's perfect for multiband and all-mode communications. Don't leave home without this mobile device. The ID5100A is a must-have for summertime travel, intuitive touchscreen operation. Dual receivers with GPS, DV dual watch, Bluetooth option, and headset option. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. As promised here, you know, I've, I've wanted to talk about how a, a tube functions, and there's more than one way to hook up a tube. This, this the right way and the wrong way. The, right. Well... <laughs> There's actually more than one right way. But there's only one wrong way. That's right. No, there's a lot more, a lot of wrong ways. Well, the end result's usually the same. Yeah. Fortunately, I only hooked it up on paper here, and it didn't oh. catch on fire. Oh, okay. So I think we're all safe. Long before we had microprocessors, integrated circuits, and transistors, we had the vacuum tube. In some countries, they call this a valve. And that's essentially how it operates. The tube type we're going to talk about today is called the triode. It's called that because there's three different elements in it. Here's a cutaway drawing from Wikipedia showing the inside of a triode. In the very center of the tube, we see there's a heater. Outside the heater, there's a heated cathode. Outside the cathode, you see something there that looks like mesh. That's a grid. Outside the grid is the anode, also called the plate, and this whole assembly is encased in something that can have a vacuum pulled on it. In this case, it's glass. Here's a schematic symbol for a tube. We see at the bottom is the filament, which oftentimes is also the cathode, the grid in the center, and then the plate at the top. The circle 
is the envelope of the tube. Since the filament and the cathode are the same element in this tube, we call this a directly heated cathode. There can also be indirectly heated cathodes where the cathode is a separate element that is heated by the filament. There are a number of different tube styles and there's more than one way to connect them. What we're going to look at today is a simple triode amplifier. At the bottom of the tube is a filament. This is an element that's heated by usually a lower voltage and when it becomes hot it will emit electrons. Typically this is a low voltage with a high current. We'll say in this case maybe we'll use 6 volts DC. It could as easily be AC. It just depends on the circuit that you're building. The element at the top of the tube is the plate. If we put a voltage on that plate, say 300 volts DC, and this will be a positive voltage. As electrons are being emitted off the filament, they'll be attracted toward the plate because of the high positive voltage, because opposites attract. In a state like this, the tube is running wide open. The maximum number of electrons that can be emitted by the filaments are headed toward them. However, if we put a grid in between the two, we can control that flow of electrons. If we put a negative voltage on this grid, then that negative voltage is going to repel some electrons. In other words, it's going to slow the process of electrons leaving the filaments as they're headed toward the plate. The higher the negative potential, the fewer electrons that can escape and make it to the plate. If we start raising this toward zero volts and then toward a positive voltage, then we're going to allow more electrons to pass through and make it to the plate. This negative bias voltage can be used to completely shut off the tube. If that voltage has a high enough negative potential, then practically no electrons can flow and make it to the plate. If we put an AC signal on the input of this grid, that will cancel out the negative bias and allow electrons to flow. When electrons flow from the filament to the plate, they end up at the output of the tube out here. Let's make a little more room here on our drawing. Keeping in mind that we're still putting our plus 300 volts of DC onto the plate. As the electrons leave the filaments and strike the plate, they're added to the potential coming from the plate. So this small AC signal we've got here on the grid of the tube will come out here on the plate as a larger signal just depending on how many of the electrons can escape and make it through the grid to the plate. So this is a simple amplifier right here. We're basically taking the power or the heat that's generating the electron flow off the filaments, going to the plate, and then regulating it or using the grid like a valve. So that's why they call a vacuum tube a valve in some countries. There's more components that would go to this circuit 
to make it actually functional. We're not really going to talk about those today other than just to give a couple of basic things here that you might want to know. On the output of the tube here, typically your positive voltage has to make it to the plate of the tube, but you don't want that high positive voltage making it to whatever this tube is driving. So you'll have a capacitor that'll block that DC voltage, but it'll allow the AC signal to travel on through. In many cases, you may not directly inject a negative voltage onto the grid. What you could do is use what they call a grid resistor for grid leak bias. Connecting a sufficient resistor to ground will cause this plate to be held at a negative potential. Then, once you inject your signal into it and it counteracts that negative grid bias, electrons will be allowed to flow. So there's just a very simple explanation of how a triode vacuum tube amplifier would work. Perhaps we'll look further at this in the future. There's different reasons that uh, you would want to use, say, a DC voltage or an AC voltage for the filaments. There's also other reasons that you might want a cathode in that tube and have an indirectly heated cathode rather than using the filaments itself for cathode. In most cases, that would be to eliminate any hum or noise coming off the filaments, say, in the case of an audio circuit. There's your introduction to vacuum tubes. They're not used as much these days, but they're still around. That's some pretty neat stuff, man. Do you understand how it works now? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, a little bit. I probably need to go back and watch it again when not, we don't have other stuff going on here at the same time, too. But, yeah, I got the gist of it. I'm, I'm yeah. going to rewatch it, though. That That was... A very simplistic view of it, which is my view of, of how they work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's more to know about it if you're actually going to try to build something with it. But that's that's basically how it works. That makes sense to you, Emil? Absolutely. Uh, I got my 3500Z sitting right here in my uh, ALADB next to me. And that thing is reliable. It's powerful. And they just work. And they work well. Yeah. When they work. When, when they, they work. When they don't work well, they work really well. unwell. Unwell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, George, a, um, yeah. The, um, uh, I'm always fascinated by old designs of um, tube-based uh, radio receivers because back in the, the old days, the actual uh, tubes or the valves were actually uh, quite expensive. And so sometimes to save costs, what they would do is they would amplify the received signal using the valve, then convert it to audio, and then once they had it in audio, they would feed it back into the valve and uh, use the valve to amplify the audio uh, as well. So uh, they actually got dual usage out of, the, uh, out of the valve. Oh, yeah. Some of them have multiple stages inside of a, a single tube. That was just a triode there, but there are a lot of different types of tubes and configurations and uh you know that that was as simple as as i could come up mm -hmm. with that i thought but perhaps i could explain yeah that's a good explanation yeah. there's actually a simpler than that's a diode tube but i didn't um, go into that just leave off the grid and it's a rectifier yeah. and the other good thing is in the, in the depths of winter they actually keep you warm mm -hmm. <laughs> that's for sure 
Yeah, well, Mike would probably know uh, a little bit about heat coming from tubes and their advantages. Actually, uh, my first station uh, were, were two rigs. I, I wish I could remember what the transmitter was. It was a Collins, uh, old Collins. It was a great big boat anchor. And I can't remember what the output tube was. I, I want to say an 807. It had about 90 watts output. It was AM and CW only. And it was kind of the matching transmitter to the popular R75 uh, Collins receivers that you see all kinds of them around. But I've yet to see uh, one of those transmitters at a, at a swap. Uh, maybe because they were so big and heavy. But, uh, yeah, I had that and a Halicrafters SX-71, which, of course, was all tube. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, there was there's something to, set, to be said about the uh, the manufacturing uh, process back then because it was it was almost like a work of art. Uh, the uh, top of the Halicrafters uh, actually had a hinged lid. You could open it up, and it had all the tubes there with the actual tube numbers silk screened right onto the uh, aluminum chassis um it it, it it was like art rather than a uh, the designs and and stuff things are built i guess for uh, for cost savings uh, today of course but uh yeah it's uh, it's it's something that uh, we don't see anymore that's for sure yep and you can still get tubes but a lot of them are well the vast majority of them are probably inferior quality to the you know the, the tubes we could get 20 or 30 years ago. Hmm. You can still get some good ones. So. I was commenting in the chat room uh, during your uh, segment, and um, I know uh, they don't teach uh, electron hole theory uh, so much anymore, and I think even when I went to college, it was uh, uh, they were teaching the uh, conventional current theory. But um, there's something to be said about designing with tubes. Um, uh, I don't want to say simplistic, but it made design work a lot simpler than it was or that it is with solid state devices um and uh, you used uh, fewer components which is hard to believe um today um to design a, a transmitter would require so many more components than it would have even back in the 40s uh when you used a uh, uh, uh vacuum tubes for uh, for uh, for design and that that's one thing about uh, the big broadcast transmitters the, the tube models you know, you might have a transmitter that's, you know, the size of this wall behind us here. And there's really very few parts in there, yeah. relatively speaking. There's not not a lot of parts. Cool. The ones that are in there, though, are pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're at the portion of the show now where maybe we should uh, open this thing up, Tommy. Okay. See, see Hold what on, I'm about out. ready. Yeah, hold on. I got to get ready too. I, I'm, I'm we good. <laughs> All right, it is. Did you pay your uh, life insurance premiums? <laughs> oh, you you ready, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Tell my if uh, we don't make it out of this, tell my family I love them and. Uh... <laughs> I'm I'm glad I'm seven thousand miles away from this. <laughs> Might not be quite far enough, Peter. Yeah, I tell you what, let's. Uh, Let's move this out of the park. That's not going to help you. No, it's not. But <laughs> we're trying to keep the shrapnel down. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I might. I might be more interested to see what's inside than you guys are at this point. <laughs> That's kind of worrisome. 
Uh, did we lose Peter? Oh, he's still there. Somehow or another, he didn't show up on the top. Huh. I don't know. It's wrapped in fine Canadian paper here. Yeah. And do you cut the red wire or the black wire first? I don't know, Mike. If you can give us some guidance. Um, it's it's the blue or the green, and as long as you don't have a tungsten light. You're on your own. Is it a VoIP phone? Alcatel Lucent. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, VoIP phone. <laughs> it is? Yeah. Cool. We can call up Mike when the show's over. Yeah. They run Skype. Well, I don't know if I need that again. But okay. Oh, it's food. I've got the thing set up. Be automatic. Oh, cool. Now I see why I was concerned about the date. I should I should say that uh, there was a bit of a reason behind this. Jeez. Um, the uh, the popular episodes like Vegemite or Die or the ever popular uh, True Grits. Uh, I thought, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I got to send you. Like, basically, who sends you more crap than I do? Um, I mean, <laughs> you spread so, it out pretty thick, Mike. I'll have to. Say. <laughs> And if no. you read that package, it'll say something like uh, 100% real cheese. Well, I mean, that, oh, that has on. some other meaning behind it as well. Let's see. Oh, 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 Mike, you haven't sent the Marmite, have you? That's fake Vegemite. Fake? It says... Fake uh, Vegemite. It, it's it's a cheap it Canadian here. imitation. <laughs> yeah, let's, I got it right here. Well, I figured you liked the Vegemite so much that you yeah. enjoy some Marmite. We don't have Vegemite here, Peter, but Marmite you can get pretty much in In North America, you can get uh, uh, Vegemite online, so it's there if you want it. Really? I thought you needed a special export license for that kind of stuff. No, no, no. no not at all, because remember, uh, it's actually now manufactured by Kraft, so it's actually overseas owned. No, 916. So so is so is the marmite, but uh, okay. I think it's interesting that uh, okay. you know in today's world we live in a global um, village, so to speak, and uh, all these multinationals, um, all these small companies, all these unique oh, products you go that first? you find in different parts of the world, uh, you oh, can't geez. you can't find them anymore because they don't exist because they've been swallowed mm-hmm. up. Uh, yeah. Well, on the other hand, you've got things like Milo, which is an Australian invention, that got uh, well, eventually, I think it's bought good. out by Nestle, and you can get that in several yeah, dip it in now. The, dip it in this. Yeah. Have another one. Cheesies are good, Mike. Yeah, they are good. Put some, put some Marmite on it. Yeah, you'll notice they're uh, spelled Cheesies with a Z rather than an S. Mm-hmm. Is that the way y'all spell cheese up there? Uh, just cheesies. Okay. <laughs> but not regular cheese. They're good. No. Very good. All right. Well, let's don't let's don't open the marmite just yet. We'll I'm save the best for last. Yep. <laughs> Put it up here where everybody can see. Way last. 
Well, you'll have to comment. I uh, I can't recall. It's been so long since I've tried Vegemite. And um, with your experience being a lot more recent than mine, maybe you could uh, just uh, tell tell us folks uh, how they compare. Okay. Is this going to be Marmite or Dye? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking expiry date, expired or Dye. <laughs> hickory sticks. I've been threatened with a hickory stick before <laughs> when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, the tube's bleeding through. But uh, anyway, Julianne's a la hickory. When do those expire? <laughs> uh, June the 14th. Ah, they're still good. I guess. Or is that June? June of 14. I don't know. Let's find out. Okay. Well, they're from Hostess, too. Oh, is this, this the same Hostess that we have here that makes the Twinkies? That's the they, the they, I heard a rumor about a year ago that they were going to stop producing Twinkies. Everybody was freaking out down there, and people up here were sending Twinkies down because we still had them. Uh, people were ordering them uh, by the hundreds, Import and uh, we were Twinkies? shipping them down south of the border. So there's a black market for Twinkies? <laughs> well, there, there was, but I guess because of the backlash, they started uh, uh, you know, producing them again. Frito-Lay. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll be. But we, you don't get those. You can't get those here that I know of. No. They look like potato sticks, but I guess they're made from, from what, hickory sticks? It's actually trees. You get a splinter? <laughs> Tastes like... I'll let you taste it before I say. Are you, you feel okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a few more. What do you think they taste like? Kind of like uh, smoked, smoked potato chips, kind mm-hmm. of. That's exactly it. They're good. It's good. Barbecue potato chips. Very good. Uh oh. What? There's something in here that's double bagged. Uh oh. It's heavy too. Feels like a brick. It's a moose jerky. A whiskey? Oh, awesome. What, oh, what is it? Maple syrup. Maple syrple. Huh? If I would have sent you whiskey. I would have never made it. U.S. Customs would have had that in their own private stock by now. Oh, awesome. Uh, that is awesome. Canadian pure maple syrup. That's the good stuff. I love that stuff. That, who, who That's some of that? our local finest. Somebody guessed yes. that. Awesome. Is there a date on that? No date until after you open it. When, when you open it, though, I would recommend you put it in the fridge. Okay. Mm, yeah. very, very cool. And, uh, and just take note, though. Often when you go to the supermarket, you'll see maple syrup, and then you'll see maple-flavoured syrup, uh, which isn't the genuine article. But what you've got there is the genuine stuff, which comes from the maple tree. Yeah, it's actually from, uh, it's produced, we produce uh, limited quantities of maple syrup in in the area that I live. Uh, There's a lot of uh, maple syrup produced in Quebec, and uh, and uh, we produce small batches of it here, and uh, just uh, so you can get an appreciation of, of what it takes to make maple syrup, it's a 40 to 1. So the tree sap that they collect, they boil it off, and it's for 40 liters 
or for a quantity of 40, you get one quantity of maple syrup when you're finished. Yeah. You got those shot glasses still I, in there? I don't, but just take a swig off of it, and then I'll get one. <laughs> you going to taste it? I will taste it when we get our uh, our bread for the Mormon. Okay. You'll make some pancakes, too? The, oh, and some stuff to wash it down with. Oh. We won't eat this yet. We'll we'll have our our uh, vegetable or oh, it's not Macintoshes. Our vitamins. Creamy taffy, toffee. Oops. Is this? It's got a I'm, hole. I'm surprised. Yours has a hole in it. Flat. Oh, look at that! It's transparent in some places. Yes. It <laughs> must not be it's very. It's holes clean. through the packaging. That's, That's how you inventions. know it's expired. Yeah. Well, once it gets transparent. <laughs> see-through food wow it's got 2006 on it or 2016 excuse me <laughs> i don't know what mabb means though Mab. maybe 2016 <laughs> well it's toffee and it's probably gonna get eaten awesome what what you do with those uh, is you put them in the freezer and you and then you basically whack it on the kitchen counter and it'll break up into pieces because otherwise it's just like a piece of rubber at room temperature. Cool. And uh, give it to somebody that uh, likes to chat a lot because that'll that'll shut them up for a good five (laughs) ten minutes. I know who I can use this on right now. (laughs) You better stop right there. I want to talk about you. Mm. Oh, I know. All right, Peter. Peter, where are we going to eat, Peter? We gotta go eat. <laughs> the chip things are good. He's making me hungry. Yeah, Smarties. Smarties. Peter, Peter oh, do you have Smarties down under? We certainly do. Very popular. Yep. Smarties. Uh, for those who don't know what Smarties are, they're like M and M's only better. And and it's yep. it's kind of funny up here. We have M and M's as well, but it's generally those the M and M peanuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are like the plain M and M's, but the chocolate I find is different. And uh, there's no claim to fame that they won't melt in your hands. Those will melt in your hands. So they're chocolate? Yes. Awesome. I've, yeah. I've heard of Smarties before, but I've never had them. Yeah. Um, I will agree with uh, uh, Mike here. They are much better than M&M's. Oh, yeah? But personal opinion. Well, wow. I guess we'll have to find out. This, this looks good, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm. Mr. Maple? Well, I figured, maple I figured, cookies. Tommy, Tommy, I figured you didn't get any of those, right. so uh, I, I thought I'd send you another box. Awesome. Yeah, it was some other brand, I think, that you gave me at Dayton, but, you know, they were like liquid gold or something. They tasted so good. Really? Yeah. I'll put these on this no, side. that's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll sample them here shortly. And there's one more thing in here, and you sure this... Now, that's a familiar item. This may have come... Did you slip something in here, Peter? No, no. <laughs> Tim Tams. Tim Tams. Those Tim Tams, all. Yep. Yeah, those, yeah, awesome. Those were good. I remember those. Those are very good. Let me check the date on them. They're, yep, they're 2017. No, all that stuff's fine. Yeah, if they would have had to sit here for about a year for it to go so, any of this. So you had Tim Tams in Canada, do you, Mike? We do, actually. Uh, my sister lived in Melbourne about uh, I don't know about eight years ago, 
And uh, she used to send me care packages every once in a while. And uh, Tim Tams, of course, were uh, were a big favorite. And then about a year later, our local uh, grocery stores uh, started stocking them. And, and since that time, when I went and picked that uh, package up, I, I discovered that there were uh, two other varieties now of Tim Tams. Those are the original. And I think they have a caramel and I can't remember what the other one was. But, uh, yes. So these, yeah, are these made in Canada? Canada? Yep. Might be the become the international ham shack food requirement pantry. Yeah, and, and I, uh, I think just, I think we're going to have to build a menu list for uh, for field day and put uh, some details. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> well, if you guys will give me just a moment, we need to start a food show. I should have some buttered <laughs> toast standing by here. So let me go grab that. A what? Some buttered toast. Oh, we're going to need that. I don't think either one of us is brave enough to try this. You don't want to just stick your finger in there and get some? No. How about about a cheesy? What is it? Cheese? Cheesy. Cheesy. These little things right here are great, Mike. So are these these all common snacks there? They are. They're all common and... um, like I mentioned, uh, these are some of these products are from smaller companies like the Cheezies. There, there's only one factory that makes them in Canada, and uh, that's kind of their claim to fame. They still make them the same way they did. I don't know how long they've been around forever, um, but uh, yeah, um, like I mentioned, uh, a lot of these companies are being bought up by multinationals, and uh, they're disappearing. Actually, I had. I had plans on sending you uh, because when you did the two True Grits uh, episode. Um, uh, we, we typically don't have grip, grits here, um, and, and cornbread is very difficult to find, although oh. you can get it in some places. That was fast. That's but, uh, we had a uh, product ever. called Red River yeah. Cereal, and, and uh, some people refer to it as, as gravel or uh-huh. birdseed because that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> so I found a box of it, and I looked at the label, and it said Smuckers on it, made in USA. So... They uh, nice. They got some cereal here like that. It's called grape nuts. It's like gravel. Yeah, we have grape nuts too. Um, it's terrible. Don't eat, don't eat it. Doesn't taste like grapes at all. No. <laughs> uh, and you have uh, cream of wheat, which we do as well. That's. Uh, but they mostly only eat that in the north. We we do the uh, grits down here. The mostly cream of wheat's up north. <laughs> but you can tell somebody from up north that's down here trying to eat the grits because they put sugar in it, in grits. That's really? That's totally wrong. Yeah. Sacrilege. Mm-hmm. Blasphemy. Okay, this stuff. I can't wait for the official tasting and critique that follows. <laughs> um, guys, October. Uh, when you smear the, the, the uh, marmite, I should say... Again, just use it a little bit. I mean, we don't want you to end up in hospital. <laughs> don't, okay. don't worry. October the 15th of 2016, so we better eat this up fast. Yeah, go ahead and put a whole lot on there then. All, all of it. Uh-oh. <laughs> you put half on yours, and, and I'll go ahead and put a little on mine. Smells smells a little bit different than Vegemite. Not quite as... Come on, that's not even any on there, is man. Is that enough, Peter? 
I can't yeah, even I can't actually. even see it. You need to put at least a dime yeah. to work. <laughs> no, that's okay. A little bit more than that. That you 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 could have a little bit more. Maybe a teaspoonful. No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh man. That. Yeah, that'll well, here. You take that's a start. <laughs> oh. Come on, George, you're using a metric system. <laughs> I can always add more. It's it smells different for sure. <laughs> Doesn't smell like the well. It smells similar, but not. No, I don't smell the vitamin smell. It marmite is is when C- Canadians try to make Vegemite. <laughs> it's, uh, it's different. Yeah. That's <laughs> George. With syrup. Dig in, brother. You ain't got enough on there. Yeah. Look, if you don't like it, just smother it with syrup. You're yeah, put <laughs> syrup on it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to man up. I got enough on mine. There we go. Well, here, I'll put some. Is this on. one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Living dangerously. Yep. Come on, there's yours. Look. Looks like I sent George and Tommy a lifetime supply of Marmite. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think it was a trick. It expires next month, and I'm not sure if we could survive eating that that much in a month. Do you eat this stuff, Mike? I don't touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> now, is that one you're trying to get ship oh, it off? Wait, wait, I wasn't supposed to say that until I tried it. You can at least see mine on the bread. You can see mine, too. If you look close. <laughs> I'm saving the rest of that bread. I gotta have something to sop up the maple syrup with. T- Tommy, I-, I think we might have a solution for the squirrel problem. Hey, All right, there you go. Let me know what you think. All right, ready, set, go. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, it's a dare. We're gonna jump on the count of three. Was that three or two? <laughs> that's a puzzled that's a puzzled look. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> it has not... a kind of an industrial flavor. <laughs> yeah. Industrial. <laughs> wow. Well Maybe. I think you compare Vegemite to axle grease, so kind of salty it's as Oh, it's not near as horrible as Vegemite. Really? I think I actually prefer the Vegemite. No. Oh. Really? Yeah. The I Vegemite could. Salter, this has a kind of a different aftertaste to it. Yeah. Well, here, get, get some more hickory sticks. Yeah, I think I will. I may have to, I may have to wash it down with a Tim Tam. Okay, second bite. Yeah. It's, um... Industrial? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't eat too much, otherwise you'll end up turning into a Democrat. Uh, we wouldn't want that. That won't happen. <laughs> I won't eat too much, let's put it that way. I may eat meat. I'm picking out yeah. over here. I hadn't had supper. Yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> but it looks like I'm about to, I'm about to have some syrup and toast. Yep. But I'm going to be sure to cut the stuff off the uh, marmite off the toast first. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maple cookies dipped in maple syrup. Mm. 
I actually have a jar, I think it's possibly even the exact same manufacturer, a jar of um, maple syrup in my fridge, uh, Mike. So can, uh, I, I, I love the stuff. use it on pancakes all the time. So you can get this up there or down there, Peter? Oh, oh yeah. No, we we, we got a number of brands of uh, maple syrup down here. Just don't send it economy. When my sister lived in Melbourne, I sent a... Uh, Typically, when we're producing, it's it's uh, at the verse uh, the very first uh, you know break of spring uh, when the sap starts flowing, um, which is typically April May. And I sent a jug, a small jug of uh, maple syrup down to my sister in Melbourne, but I sent it I sent it because of the weight. I sent it economy. She didn't she didn't get it until July. So Whoa. if you're, if you're going to send it down to somebody, uh, better spring for the extra money for the uh, for the premium uh, courier mm. service. Yeah. You, come on, you're not scared of the syrup. I'm not scared of it. I just mm. I, I'm leaving room for the. Uh, for the uh, actually, um, George, hmm? uh, you've got to understand something about maple syrup, though. It's the exact opposite of. Um, uh, of Vegemite. So what you do is you literally drown the uh, the toast in maple syrup. <laughs> yeah, we I've I've had maple syrup before. Actually, it's it's um, you got to sop it. Pop it. Yeah. In the south, we sop things. Sop. Oh, okay. Mm. Yum. That's as good as molasses. Now that is good. That yeah. makes up for the marmite for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we could talk with Mike again after, yeah. after this. So. You're still in the club, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. I do need to uh, kind of right. ground it, Peter. I think this qualifies as torture. Mm-hmm. Are you guys getting hungry yet? No, not at all. <laughs> Here, I got something for you if you're hungry. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, Tommy, George, do you have Milo down in the south? Never heard of it. Uh, what about you, Mike? You would have run into Milo? Uh, it's not ringing a bell with me, Peter. What is Milo? Oh, yeah. Well, um, it's a chocolate drink, powdered chocolate drink, made out of, um, I think, barley, and uh, it's... Uh, Absolutely fabulous. So uh, I must send a, uh, a jar of Milo to the guys. Why? Why does everything from us seem to have something related to uh, the brewery? <laughs> Isn't that where Vegemite comes from? There's a theme. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, I don't think it comes from a brewery, but uh, Milo doesn't, at least. But uh, uh, it's uh, it was developed in Sydney and is sold in a number of countries around the world. So it's, uh, it's an international brand. So it's very much like Ovaltine, if you know that. Okay, yes, we uh, we do have Ovaltine up here, um, <laughs> and some other I can't I can't recall the the names of them, but uh, similar types of uh, powdered uh, chocolate. All of a mm-hmm. sudden, I have a powerful hungry for a waffle. A waffle, yeah. yeah. Oh, you have waffles yeah. down in the south. Yeah, we do. Ah, love waffles. Yeah, Belgian. Yum. Okay, Tommy, what's next? Uh, let's try these. Okay. So far, what happened to a meal? Did you go order a pizza? <laughs> I want to say the maple, maple syrup's on the top. 
Maple syrup's good. These little hickory stick things are really those good are to me. I like those a lot. The yeah. Cheeto things are the cheesies. I'll call them Cheetos forever. But... You better hurry up, Tommy. Unless you're putting a hurting on those cheesies. They're, they're more like um, to us Americans and meal. Okay. These are more like the uh, crunchy Cheetos. Not uh, the, oh, not the uh, Elmer's? Do you guys have Elmer's up there in Mississippi? Uh, Elmer's? Yeah, it's think like so. the, they have green onion Cheetos and... Uh, I haven't seen those. They're real crunchy. Ooh, these smell good right off the bat. Oh, wow. Mm. Now that is good. This tastes like the same as the ones that Mike gave me at Dayton. Mr. Maple. All right, well, see you later, Tommy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very good. Yep. You put them back in the box, you want another one? Let's see what my communicator tastes like. Put them back in the box, you want another one? I'm just going to put them in the box, just to get them out of the way. Let's do that. Scottles. It's got a pecan flavor to it. Yeah, kind very, of. Very slight. Pecans. Made in peanut-free facility. Mm -hmm. We know how dangerous it is to mix peanuts and maple, so. Yeah, a lot of people are allergic to peanuts. Yeah. Yeah, those are good. Yeah, I don't see pecans on there, but it does kind of have a nutty flavor to it. I think if we took those and sopped them in the maple syrup, that's like maple overload right there. Yeah. What is Jack? What's interesting? What's interesting about that uh, that box is one side is in uh, English, the other side's in French. Yep. Is this the same one she gave That's me? That's why I uh, turned it to. In in Dayton, like same. Same. same yes, order? George. They're the uh, same brand. Um, and uh, just uh, so you know, uh, Canada being uh, two of two official languages, uh, we have packaging laws which require um, the uh, printing of of uh, materials to be in both official languages. Wow. Oh, yeah. Cool. Well, these are... Look how those are packed. Oh, wow. The, is it... Uh, should these not... They don't let them. Don't let them touch. It's kind of like crossing the streams. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. I don't want them being separated in Australia. They're all just mixed in. Whoa! They? Hold on. That was close. They almost bumped into each other. <laughs> <laughs> are they different colors in the columns or no? Yeah. Yeah, there are some blue ones, green ones, blue ones, red. Is it? They're different sizes too. They're not all consistently the same size. Oh, what do the green ones mean in Canada? <laughs> it's anyway. the red ones you got to worry about. The red ones, okay. Great, that's the first one I ate. <laughs> anyway, they're good, aren't they? Yeah, it is good. Mmm. Yep. I remember uh, when I was a kid, uh, one of the. Uh, 
ads or commercials for them was when you eat your Smarties, do you eat the red ones last? Was hmm. uh, they had a little jingle yeah. to it? I'm not really sure what the what the response or the meaning was for that. But well, well, I just did that backwards. Nestle's, really? Yeah, and it does taste like Nestle's chocolate, doesn't it? Yeah, milk chocolate. And who might, is M and M's? Is that Hershey's? That's Mars. Mars. Mm. They're good. The only candy shell on the outside of it's good too. It's a little thicker than the M and M shell. Mm-hmm. Really good. They will. They will melt in your hands though. Oh yeah. yeah. Unlike M and M's. And they'll leave. Uh, if you if you hold them in your hand for a couple of minutes, the the dye or whatever the coloring is will uh, will come off and and uh, uh, they'll be on have your hands. Colored palms. Yeah. M and M's will do that too. Yeah. Hmm. It's a security feature for young mm-hmm. kids. <laughs> So they get busted. So they've been dip, dipping into them. Exactly. The Smarties. Best if used by twenty one seventeen. That won't be a problem. <laughs> no, twenty seventeen. Uh, Tommy George, look, when I sent my package over to you, did I send you any Jeffers? Yeah. Yeah, the little round. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll Were you talking about again. they throw them down in the movie theater? That's right. Those ones. You yeah. roll them. Roll yeah. them down the oh, movie yeah, theater yeah. aisles. Yeah. yeah. Theater. Um, one of my favorites were uh, chocolate frogs, but I can't uh, remember if they're. Uh, I haven't seen or heard anything about them lately. Are they uh, uh, still talk- popular? Oh, very much. Uh, you're talking about Freddos. Freddos, yes. Yep. They oh. come in various different types. They get like Frodo? spearmint ones, the milk chocolate ones. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, very still very popular. Oh, Fredo? And uh, you can buy them in packs as well. <laughs> I was mentioning that uh, when my sister lived in Melbourne about eight years ago, she used to send me the uh, Tim Tams because we didn't have them over here yet. Another thing she used to send me was the uh, fresh licorice in the paper bags, and uh, we we uh, we have those now, as okay. well, or we have that now. I think it's Daryl Lee is one of the uh, manufacturers. Well, if this one lasts a long time, we might better do this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we we're going to save this one to last because if, if it's going to be ten minutes when we. Well, y'all may have to wrap the show up. If... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, just be careful. If you've got any loose fillings, uh, that'll, that'll remove them. <laughs> that'll, fi- that'll find them for you. Huh? This world, we'll have a dental check here tonight, too, while we're chewing those. We'll figure out if anybody needs to go have a tighten up. I actually did find some Tim Tams somewhere here recently. Really? Yeah. You want to get one? Yeah, I'm going to get one. Uh, you, you guys really should do the seeing as you've had these before you really should cool. do the Tim Tam slam yeah. in other words what you got to do is bite the ends off uh, of the Tim Tam get a cup of coffee and then suck the, the coffee through the Tim Tam can you do that with maple syrup no not with maple <laughs> syrup but with the Tim Tam oh. do you have any insulin coffee. around here if you got some insulin you can do it <laughs> I was going to say, you guys are going to be zoning out. Yeah, if you weren't uh, type 2 diabetic, uh, you might be after this. <laughs> hmm. um, I have to say, though, that uh, I love Tim Tams, but uh, they actually give me a headache because they're just too sweet. So, <laughs> just too much. It's really good. The, the chocolate on the outside, because it's so warm in here, that it's a little melted. Mm-hmm. But they're they're really good. I'm actually uh, pretty impressed, considering how much time's elapsed 
since I sent them. And, um, you know, being how how warm it's been this summer. I know, George, you kept it in a climate-controlled environment, but uh, I have to imagine uh, that uh, the the, uh, the travel or the trip from uh, from my house to your house uh, must have been on trucks and uh, on air-conditioned uh, warehouses and so forth. Yeah. I'm surprised it survived. Well, they, they look like they've been kind of like a little melted the outside a little, maybe. I'm not sure exactly what they would look like, but you can see like yeah. where it pushed against the plastic. Yeah, but, but not it's bad. It's still fine. No, yeah. yeah, it's fine. But you can tell it's been a little bit warm. But it's warm in here right now. All right. So what about the Macintoshes? <laughs> Are we going to be able to finish the, uh, the show? The original... Give it a try. I don't know if you can even get a piece off of that if it's... Uh... Uh, as warm as you say it is, it's going to be like one big piece of tough taffy. Yeah, it's not going to break. You want to put the, it in the... the what? Wow. You want to put it in the fridge over there and your thing until the, right at the end of the show and save it till the... It's like close? Well, this is the pretty much the close. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, I think we could cut it with the, uh, with the butter knife. We might cut it with a real knife. You know where that thing's been? In my pocket. <coughs> so that's why we're going to use the butter knife. <laughs> hey, Millie, have you got a first aid kit? Uh, He's too far for it to do any good. Right. <laughs> good two hours away. At the job I had before, this one I always gave them a hard time. They brought... Uh, they started equipping the offices with those, uh, I forget the acronyms for them, but the defibrillator oh, thing. Oh, the AEDs. Yeah. yeah. So they put one right by my desk, and I was like the old guy there. I'm like, is that, is it, you trying to tell me something? <laughs> Statistics. Oh, wow. That's not what I expected it to look like. It does look yeah. like just caramel. Uh how are we going? Here, there's a... Oh, yeah, there's a clean one under the bottom there. Just cut off a little piece like that for now? Yeah, as you think we can do one that big. Knife. You might have the knife. Go get the... Uh, I got a hacksaw. Yeah, go get the hacksaw. <laughs> or a torch. Where's Jimmy? <laughs> wow, man. Have you got a pair of aviation uh, snips? I do, yeah. <laughs> you might need them. Well, I think we're going to need a chisel to get it off the plate here. No, it's coming up with the <laughs> paper's coming up with it. Wow. <laughs> it sounds like another industrial event. It looks sort of Good like... Good night, everybody. The, the toffee out of... Uh, a Heath bar, but it's sure not that mm. consistency of it. Mm-hmm. Now I gotta sharpen my knife again. <laughs> hmm. Kind of buttery, chewy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It doesn't taste like the toffee I'm used to, though. I can't pull my teeth apart now. From... 
I got a crowbar over here. Mm. It's good. It is good. But I see what you mean about getting it cold, because it would probably it would probably just snap into pieces real easy. But it was just chilled a little bit. Would you be yeah, able if you, to? If you uh, put that in the freezer and uh, just give it a whack, it'll shatter into pieces. Um, because, like I mentioned, uh, it's just uh, one great big piece of, it's almost like a piece of thick uh, rubber at this point. Yeah. Hmm. You know that Gorilla Glue stuff? Yeah. Looks kind of like that, doesn't it? No, it feels kind of like it. It's pretty sticky. Got a little more flavor, though. No, yeah, it tastes it tastes fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I can see what you mean about the fillings too. If you had some loose fillings, you probably don't want to chew on that on it. No, and that's uh, kind of reminded me of uh, you don't see it that often anymore. Peanut brittle was uh, was mm-hmm. was bad for that as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. It is kind of similar. Peanut brittle is pretty popular down here. Yep. Yep. Creamy toffee. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have associated this with creamy though. Hey, Tommy mm-hmm. and uh, George. Do you guys ever take Highway Forty Nine coming this way? No. Forty Nine. Forty Nine on a Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. No, no. I never. Not coming down there. I don't. I usually just go down Fifty Five. Okay. Yeah, there's the plenty of little. Uh, <clears throat> stores all along there. I think one of them's chain is called Donna's or something. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know yeah. what that is. Yeah, we've gone that way going to the coast. Okay, coast. yeah, I mean, we stop there and get peanut brittle and the, the pretzels and Watermelons. all kind of things. Yeah, pralines are big over where, you're, where you are. We need to get some pralines and send them over to uh, Peter yeah, and, and yeah. Mike. Pralines, that's right. Do you mm-hmm. have those, uh, Mike? You know what the pralines are? Uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's a nut. Um, at least that's what I'm thinking it is. Uh, we have it in ice cream up here, but um, no. it reminded me when you were talking no. that uh, when we were traveling down south, we used to go and stop. Uh, I think they had it um, in Georgia and some of the other southern states. Uh, pecan rolls. Uh, they were really, really good. At Stuckey's. At Stuckey's. You got it. Yeah. But the pralines are more like... Uh well, sure. it sort of looks like this taffy, sort of, but it's got nuts in it and stuff, but they're not really sticky like that. They're good. They're, they're Yeah, they're really good. As a matter of fact, every time we go down to New Orleans, we always bring a bunch of them back. So we'll have to see. I'm supposed to go down there sometime here pretty soon. I'll see about bringing some back. Maybe you can ship them over there Yeah, bring to, me to both of you. Bring you some, too? Some of that fish from Middendorf's. Middendorf's? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Probably won't be too good. You want you want to <laughs> no, check the expiration won't. date on it too before you eat it. Yeah, I brought some <clears> last <throat> time I was down there. I ate all I could eat and still had some left, and I brought it back, put it in the refrigerator, and tried to uh, heat it up and eat it the next day. It was. No. It's not the same unless you have it it's fresh. Well, what's your favorite, Tommy? What do you? Uh. It's hard to say. Isn't it? Yeah, the cookies are good. The cookies are probably maybe the favorite, and yeah. the the little stick, the uh, hickory sticks are really good. The syrup, the syrup's amazing. Yeah, and uh, it's all it's all good. I like yeah. all of it. it. Well, it's almost all good. Almost. <laughs> good, yeah. And how I, could you go wrong with Tim Tam? Tim, yeah, I know. 
I'm, I'm, I gotta say, I'm not a fan of the Marmite stuff, Mike. No. Um, if I, I had to choose the, between the two, I think I wasn't real crazy about the Vegemite, but the Vegemite, I could stomach it a little bit better. Than, oh, no, uh, than Marmite. Marmite. Was, really? was much easier than uh, than Vegemite to and, me. Yeah. And this stuff keeps you like your door from squeaking on your truck if you put some on the <laughs> well, hinge and everything. What I use Vegemite for. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks for uh, for sending this fine Canadian uh, cuisine edible swag here. Yeah. Yeah, this is awesome, Mike. Appreciate that. Sorry it took so long to get to it, but uh, with field day and yeah. all that stuff going on. So. We wanted to save it and have a special unveiling and have you joining us here for it. Yeah, absolutely. It worked out good. Well, th- well thanks. It's been uh, it's been a blast. And uh, it's always interesting to see uh, uh, you guys partake in other <laughs> other science experiments from different parts of the world. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's fun. it's always fun. I I'm always pretty much game to try a lot of a lot of things, uh, especially stuff like this is prepackaged. The one thing I didn't try was uh, we went on a cruise when my son graduated from high school, and he tried the escargot there, and I would I would not try that. I just, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just not. My folks say I tried it when I was uh, real small, a toddler. But before you had good sense and you knew what you were eating. Yeah, I just thought been. it was a snail, you know. Oh, <laughs> oh well, all kids eat snails that are raw, but who wants them with cheese on them? Yeah. <laughs> well, have you tried? I guess I guess I could have sent you some Atlantic cod tongue, but uh, it wouldn't have survived. Uh, okay. Man, that's that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you guys tried um, frog's legs at all? Yeah, yeah I've tried them. Tastes like chicken. It it really does. The alligator? Oh, yeah. I haven't had an alligator. Yeah, it it tastes like chicken, too. It's just white meat. It is. Yeah, I've had it down at uh, in New Orleans. It's just a little more, uh, I guess, a rubbery texture to it, but it tastes like chicken. It looks like Mm -hmm. chicken. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I like it. What Mm -hmm. about crocodile, Peter? I've never tried it, but it is available in Australia. Oh, I'm sure. Wow. Uh, I've had it tastes like chicken too. The gator, I've had it at Moolot's down there in New Orleans. Emil, you been there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's uh, plenty of places too west of uh, New Orleans. Uh, lots of uh, all the people that got kicked out of where Mike is uh, cooking everything that moves. Yeah. yeah. Have Not you been that. to Moolot's? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of, some of my relatives got kicked out of where Mike is. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Yeah, the the Arcadians that got kicked out of Canada back in the day, they all settled down in uh, southern Louisiana and some of the other uh, southern states, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, pr- really appreciate you uh, putting yeah. all this together and sending it. It was good. Nope, most I, of it. I think I've got a couple of teeth stuck together <laughs> back here. Do I need to get the Dremel and put that filling back in? You might. <laughs> I, it won't go away, man. <laughs> I've been chewing on it. Yeah, it gets a little bit bigger before it gets smaller. I tell you what, you really get your money's worth here out of the Macintoshes. That thing's better than an all-day sucker. 
Yeah, it tastes it tastes really good. It does taste good. Very cool. Well, it's a babysitter's dream. Yeah. <laughs> give, it to, give it to the kids that it won't keep quiet, and that'll uh, that'll take care of that. That'll problem. do it for sure. Except they're going to get a sugar buzz, and they're going to be bouncing off the walls all night. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing you can't take care of with a little marmite or vegemite, I guess. Mm. Well, um, thanks, Mike. Tommy and I will have to figure out how we're going to divide up this stuff. We're going to arm wrestle. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you have the Mr. Maple, although okay. that is one of the better choices here. Yeah, it's a good one. The rest of it, we'll just have to arm wrestle for. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that's all we got planned for tonight. And, uh, boy, it's been a lot of fun. This is probably going to be a really long show. Yep. By the time it's edited, it's already uh, over two hours. But, you know, like I was saying, Mike... You you were right. If you can say fifty percent of it, you know, you're ahead of the game. Yeah, maybe you can speed it up and we can chew real fast on there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hey. saved the trouble on part of my video by putting most of that on the cutting room floor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, your your video was fine. We yeah. enjoyed it. it yeah, was it was great. Too. Appreciate you going to the trouble of making that too. It was great. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Mm. Let's uh. Let's tell them where we can find us on social media. Yeah, first, why don't we tell them where we can, you can get one of these. That's even a better, that's a better idea. That I've got. Where can you find them, Tommy? At uh, amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Get your amateur logic swag and be the best dressed ham at the next ham fest. Yeah, and just uh, ask Tim there. You never know where amateur logic uh, shirt could could happen to pop up next he started something cool i think uh, at least i hope he did where you wear your shirts and take some selfies with them and send them in and let's put them on get them put on the show yeah. bonus points if you can find a landmark for email <laughs> yeah absolutely or next to an email server or something email email there you go that would work shouldn't uh, be too hard to find something with cheap and old man but finding them together might be a little bit of a challenge could be could be well also what what did social media yeah well anytime we're doing a show we've got a chat room going on at the same time now during the period that we're streaming it and they've been having a big time in there tonight i have to fess up i haven't been able to watch it that much we've had so much going on tonight um Boy, somebody's saying you could use that marmite on the squirrels, Tommy. Yeah, that that would actually probably be a good use for this stuff. Good. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't use maple syrup, though. <laughs> we better save that. Also, we've got uh, our social networks out there. There's a big group at facebook.com slash groups slash amateurlogic.tv. There's, a, there's always a lot of uh, interesting things going on in there. A nice group of folks. And also, I can't see the URL, but we have a, a Facebook group with, uh, that's I'm sorry. And we, we, I was just confirming what you said. <laughs> and we also have a Google Plus group. Well, a community. And a community <laughs> group. <laughs> so I can't see the URL at all because it says I program right in front of it. You read it. No. But uh, you can read it on the bottom of the screen, though. 
Yep. Um, and go visit it there. That, that's where our friend Mike here that you saw, uh, he he does a lot of Facebook. Or, uh, well, I have Facebook on the brain. I don't know. Photoshop yep. uh, pictures on there. So go back and look through some of the old posts on there, and you'll find some pretty interesting artwork. Yeah, and that's, uh, as a matter of fact, that's where Tim had posted all of his yeah. stuff in here tonight. He had posted it over to the Google Plus community. Yeah. You don't want to call it Facebook, too, so I don't I feel don't, like the only guy? No. I mean, you've done it enough <laughs> all right. to cover there's been a, There's been a lot more uh, activity recently on the Google Plus from what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah, it has. We're, uh, we're uh, pushing uh, 2,500 members at this point. Oh, that's oh, really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is growing. Yeah. And that's after weeding out all the other ones. Yeah. Uh, it's a little different. The the Facebook, what's posted on there and what's posted on the, the Google Plus, a little. Two different little feels different. to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it, uh, the Google Plus stuff, it's either pretty technical or it's just kind of wacky, wackiness yeah. Yeah. on there. It's not down the middle, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's not too much down the middle. <laughs> but yeah, it's but it's it. fun stuff. I think cannot... between me and Mike, we have both of those cornered. Yeah. Wha yeah. Wacky and technical. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also follow us on Twitter. Yep, at Amateur Logic. We also have at Ham College. Yep, if you uh, want to check out Ham College. Yeah. We do have a lot of licensed hams that watch that program. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and a lot of licensed hams, a lot of un unlicensed people, people too, yeah. uh, soon mm -hmm. to be hams, I hope. And uh, we've actually had a lot of people email us saying that uh, they got inspired from watching Ham College lot, and yeah. went ahead and got their tickets and mm -hmm. stuff. So that, that's kind of what it's all about. That's the whole reason why we're doing that. Yep. It is exactly. Well, we've enjoyed being here tonight. And the good meal. And the good meal. It was a lot of, I mean, we really worked up an appetite just trying to get the show going tonight. Yeah, this is true. Technical issues that we had early on. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say now that we can say that using the Google Plus community for a group video call, along with trying to stream video to a YouTube server, does not work well. Skype, we didn't have any issues with since we went yet. You can say that. I'm still not convinced that was the whole issue. That was it, man. That was it. Uh, uh, okay. 73, everybody. All right. 73. See you next 73. time. And 73 is from down under. And 73 from up over. Up over. <laughs> up over. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, it's sort of like static in the background. Yeah. That's the air conditioner. But it's oh, still hot. Am I hotter than Tommy? Hello, <laughs> one, two, one, two. Depends one, on who you ask, I guess. Check, check, one, two. <laughs> and yeah. and he's destined to be a, a, a budding Skype hunter at some point. Your dog doesn't like the idea either, does he? <laughs> I said, your dog doesn't like the idea either, does he? <laughs> oh, you can hear my dog. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think he does like it.